You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and joining me on today's episode is Oliver Kern, who's Chief Commercial Officer at Lockwood Publishing. Lockwood are behind the hugely successful mobile game, Avakin Life, and we'll be discussing the challenges of building a virtual world game. How exactly do you integrate a music concept from a real life pop star into a mobile game? The metaverse, because why not? Uh, and games as the new social media. So that's, that's quite a, a docket to get through. Uh, Oliver, thank you very much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so, you know what, to, to start things off, maybe tell us a little bit about your um, your personal journey in the game industry and how you ended up at Lockwood. Yeah, so um, many, many suns ago, moons ago, um, mm. I started working in the games industry and we were basically distributing shareware um, on the internet. So I worked for a company called Oberon Media and we were basically, you know, selling bejeweled and uh, hidden object games and all these kind of lovely things um, for twenty dollars, mm-hmm. um, and um, we had distribution partners like MSN and Yahoo, and um, users were able to then download an app or a game, um, play it for one hour for free, and then uh, could decide if they wanted to buy that or not. And it was definitely a golden age for casual games. That's actually when the term came up the first time I think mm. um, because already then there were obviously console games and these kind of things but you know the those kind of casual games games for everybody that was kind of the years 2005 to 2008 when it really started that was pre-Facebook uh, when when those kind of games started to take off I then uh, joined uh, Jagex a big MMO um, publisher and developer um, and uh, worked as CMO there, um, helping them to grow RuneScape. Did mm-hmm. that for a while, and then uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> had a few episodes in like ad networks, etc. But you know, publishing and marketing of games—that's really what I enjoy the most. Um, and yeah, that brought me to to Lockwood, um, which I started working with about five years ago when it was very very small making no money just mm-hmm. a few people um yeah and it's been an incredible journey and and what does the day-to-day uh, of your job kind of look like well i'm now responsible for ultimately helping with everything that is around growth um so that means uh marketing and user acquisition but it also means um, because we we are this uh, virtual world slash social network, you know, being um, big in in the different markets. So we do try to take much more of a market by market approach and actually have you know partners in key regions um, that I'm building out, um, and then also community management because I believe that you know um, users can be the best ambassadors and the best marketers for a game. Mm-hmm. So tell us about um, Avakin Life. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, what is it? Who plays it? Uh, what's the experience like? Well, uh, it's it's a huge virtual world. Um, we've grown from literally close to nothing 
to uh, now about 1.5 million daily active users. Um, and um, it's, you know, people come in there, they uh, are able to meet other people and um, are able to kind of, well, we call it kind of express themselves. So, you know, we have a huge um, inventory of uh, fashion items and clothes and dance moves and all these kind of things, um, as well as, you know, um, apartments and houses that you can buy and decorate and really, again, express uh, yourself in a very creative way. And um, what is the average player of Avakin like? Uh, what is the average player of Avakin life like? Mouthful. Um, I would say it's probably a female somewhere between 18 and 30. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of really our, our core demographic. Um, we've done a lot of research around our user base. Uh, we have a good understanding who of them really care about like fashion, who of them care about like um, uh, decoration and design and these kind of things, who about who of them care about um, uh, meeting other people, etc. So um, yeah, but that's really kind of female 18 to 30. Uh, interested in other people, interested in expressing themselves in a creative way. Mm. Yeah. And you, you've mentioned uh, your amazing growth. Can you tell us a little bit about how you uh, got from, because also this sort of covers your time at uh, Lockwood, how you got from close to nothing to uh, over a million DAUs? Um, I think the, the, the magic sits somewhere in the um, the building the community. Um, I think that's that's really what matters for us. And if you look at lots, a lot of the you know top games out there, um, you know those that have longevity will have a huge community around them, and it's something that kind of builds and builds over time. It's not these kind of you know quick up there in the charts and then kind of dying very quickly. It's it's these. <clears throat> games that basically have a stay for a long time because you're able to really have this community um, that kind of sticks with the game. And we have still players that joined uh, Avakin um, in uh, 2000, end of 2013, so right at the very, very beginning. And they still play it and they still come back to it, especially when we have like big events, etc. Um, so it is really capturing a community, really. That's what makes it makes it grow. Um, and, um, you know, we were fortunate enough that we were, when we launched it, uh, kind of in a position where there was not really um, a lot of competition. A lot of our users, especially in the beginning, came in there and thought like, oh, this is like The Sims, but with mm -hmm. real people. Um, and that's kind of what really made the difference for them. And uh, what are some of the ways that you, you build community? Um, you build community by listening to them and taking them serious and incorporating uh, their feedback, what they care about, um, and kind of, you know, building a game for them. Because, you know, for us, we do treat our game much more as a service in general, which does mean that, you know, we're, we're doing this for them and not for ourselves. We're, we're creating an environment, a world for our users. So, you know, that's why we have to carefully listen to what they care about and make sure that we respectfully um, do the things, maybe not exactly like they wish, but trying to understand like 
what are, what are their underlying motivations. That's why we also invest a lot in research um, to kind of really make sure that we provide a service that they really enjoy for the long term. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the, you've mentioned that uh, for users at the beginning, it was like The Sims, but with real people. What are some of the unique challenges of building um, a mobile social simulation game? There are lots of challenges around that. Um, challenge number one is when you start growing and you start growing quickly, um, you know, all you can focus on is just, you know, making sure that it kind of holds, <laughs> it doesn't fall apart. Um, you know, that the people come in there and it doesn't break. Um, and, you know, if you have a very, very small team, those are kind of certainly some of the key challenges. Um, I mean, we launched in 2013 when like 3G was a big thing um, and we were providing a real-time multiplayer game. Um, that still today is not easy to do. Um, but back then it was um, definitely quite ambitious to, to do that. Um, so it's all, it also has a lot to do with that for sure. Um, and then it's, you know, you have to kind of find, find that balance um, because we do provide a virtual world where, um, you know, everybody can be whoever they want to be in a way, but you know, have to also set some boundaries. I think you can't make it too crazy, so to say, because then it loses its uh, attachment to the real world, uh, I would think. Um, so you have to kind of also see where, where are the boundaries? What do we not want, if that makes sense? It makes me think of an interesting question. What's a good example of um, something that is on the edge? I mean, this, this idea of being attached to reality, but also far enough from reality that you can kind of express your, yourself in ways that perhaps aren't available to you in the real world. What's an example of one of those cases where, okay, this takes us too far from reality uh, versus sort of keeping us just far enough? Um, yeah, I think I think you always have to kind of provide the right context. I, I do think there a lot is possible, but if you're, we provide these social spaces where people can come in, and that kind of, in my opinion at least, kind of sets the sets the tone for what should be allowed and what should not be allowed. Right? I mean, if you're if you're going into a cafe in somewhere in New York to kind of work as a barista and earn some coins. It would be weird if there were some super fantasy style kind of people flying around and doing magic as an example, right? It would just feel wrong. And especially as a new user, you would think like, what is going on here, right? If the context was different and you were in some kind of, um, you know, uh, some kind of uh, castle and everything would be a little bit more magical and fantasy style, yeah, then obviously you can also allow other things and again somebody in a, in a barista apron would somehow uh, feel wrong um, so you have I, th I think you have to always look at the backdrop and the context and say what should be okay in this environment mm -hmm. and let's talk about uh this, this idea of, of personal expression and uh and avatars specifically so how important is that sense of agency in virtual worlds um and how, where do you sort of peg the industry today in terms of how sophisticated these avatars were able to make these avatars? Um, 
Yeah, I, th I think it, it really depends. I mean, I remember when uh, I was working at Jagex with RuneScape, I mean, we also did like a big upgrade of the game and, you know, all, all the characters looked better and all these kind of things. But it didn't really make a massive impact because, you know, the game was not about your avatar. Um, in Avakin and in kind of real world simulations, I think the avatar is obviously much more important. And it is, you know, people usually come in there and they try to create a version of themselves or a version of some celebrity, uh, basically. So you have to kind of be able to, to cater for that if you want to make it real life. You know, a lot of virtual worlds and avatar scenarios are a bit more, um, you know, comic-like. Um, and there, obviously, it doesn't really matter as much. You basically create something that you feel is kind of nice and cool. Um, but, you know, especially with, with a game like ours, people invest a lot of time to kind of really create a great version of themselves. And we provide them, you know, the ability to do that. Um, so for us, the avatar is super, super important um, because it also is also, you know, a signal to others and then like a, multiplayer environment um you know how you look and what you wear and all these kind of things you know gives other players immediately an idea is this somebody i want to talk to or not right you don't even need to say hey how are you um already just from the the look and how somebody kind of is yeah is you already have an idea of like okay is this somebody that i'm interested in talking to or not yeah. much like the real world <laughs> Much like the real world, absolutely. I mean, if you come into into a pub or a cafe and, you know, you wear certain things, you have a certain look, people will immediately feel like, okay, this person fits in here. I want to have a chat with that person or, oh, this feels really wrong. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, let's uh, move to talking about the buzzword, well, one of the buzzwords du jour, uh, the metaverse. Games like... Fortnite, uh, they're sort of described as platforms in, in or into the metaverse. Um, the idea is that eventually we'll have sort of fully functioning digital economies, we'll host, be able to host um, experiences like virtual concerts uh, and, and movie premieres. Is the idea, um, obviously this intersects with what you guys are doing at Lockwood, is that something that you are um, actively discussing? Um, and if so, how does that sort of impact how you're looking at your uh, future trajectory? I mean, for us, this aspect is definitely also quite important. Um, we do look at that as well. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you can only to a certain degree, uh, you know, answer all the needs of the users in terms of their wishes, what they want and what they want to have or, or kind of recreate, etc. So I do, I do believe that like, um, uh, you know, a, a digital economy where also the users can probably create a lot of the content um, is definitely a route also for us that we're we're exploring and looking at. Um, I think the the you know having that kind of platform, I, I don't think there will be like one company that kind of um, has it all. I do think it will need to be something that allows lots of lots of different companies with lots of different experiences to kind of plug in 
So think of it almost like APIs um, in, in, in some way. I, I think that's, that's probably, you know, something that I would see as kind of the metaverse. I, I think where it's, um, you know, if, if it's one company and this is you and this is you everywhere, I'm not so sure that that will work. I don't think people will even like that. Mm. And what about live events, which we've sort of touched on? Um, tell us about how you guys tackle that um, at Lockwood. You had um, Hayley Kiyoko's live concert. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a sort of uh, uh, something, well, you can sort of tell us what are their challenges, what are the challenges, um, and how are you guys looking to create more of those experiences and monetize them down the line? Yeah, so, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, we, our... You know, obviously music and, and dance and these kind of things are maybe not for every audience the right thing. But definitely if you're talking like a, a younger audience, and that's why also Fortnite has been quite successful there. But equally for us, um, you know, this is definitely something that um, the audience enjoys. Um, and we know that our audience cares about music, they care about dancing and kind of everything around that. So um, we basically... Um, in the you know with uh, Hayley Kyoko's concert we basically worked with uh, Warner Music um, to kind of you know create like a digital concert and that was pre-COVID so mm -hmm. back then it wasn't even such a thing where musicians mm -hmm. thought like how else can I kind of uh, create visibility for an audience um, is that something you guys are trying to ramp up a lot, a lot more of now now that we are all in sort of less going out less let's put it that way depending on obviously which country you're in and, and what the situation is yeah i mean we've we have that was that concert that was kind of the first of its kind in that sense that was last year i think september or no october um but since then we've actually done quite a few more um with all sorts of artists uh djs etc um and it's you know it's 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 been quite interesting and I think the key learning for us is the artist really needs to be um, super excited about the opportunity. Mm. It's not that the label who is pushing for an additional revenue stream or something like that. It needs to be also the artist that is excited about that. Because for us as a game, the benefit is if we can tap into the artist's audience to a degree. So almost as them as an influencer uh, so to say, we create obviously the experience and it's great for our users. They will enjoy that. Um, they will, they will love that we do something special, etc. but it's also for us as a business, it's obviously also interesting to see if we can tap into the audience of the, of the artist. And that only works if the artist is also really excited about it. So are live events for you more about, um, let's call it live ops, or are they more about uh, growth? Um, well, it's a mix of that, I would say. It's on the one hand, it is live ops. It is, you know, offering the users something fresh every day. Um, and in that sense, you know, we have lots of events and music events, or we also have a tie-in with World of Dance. So, you know, dance-related events, um, you know, those kind of things definitely play, play a good role because then there is always a reason to come back into the game. There is something new, something different, something to participate in, etc. So that's really cool. But we also do try to see, like, how can we 
activate our existing community um, so that they basically create amazing content. Um, and they've done that, for example, with World of Dance, where they created, I think, 20,000 or something like that videos um, um, around, you know, a certain dance style um, where we basically had like competitions on social media. Um, and equally, we obviously always also hope if it's especially around music that um, kind of the artist also, you know, is proud to be in a game and then kind of shares that with uh, with their respective audience, right? Um, so that's that's kind of really also important for us. So it is a mix of the, of both of those things. This is it's actually a nice segue to talking about um, games and social media things. Are the new social media, which is sort of an idea which has been floating around for a while, um, do you think that's true? Uh, also, do you consider, you've said twice now, perhaps more, I'm not keeping an actual score, uh, you've spoken about African life as a game. Um, do you also consider it to be sort of a, a social network? Um, and do you think we're going to see um, a new generation of users who are more engaged in games because of the social elements uh, than the... Now, I'm, I understand you they, these two can be sort of inextricably linked, but more because of the social elements than the game elements. Um, I, I, I mean... I've worked in in the MMO space and already there I saw that, you know, games are in a way a social network there. Um, you know, that's what keep, kept and still keeps those MMOs, uh, you know, very, very attractive because it is the communities that sit in these games that actually, you know, make them, make them be meaningful uh, for decades, right? I mean... RuneScape has been around, oh, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years, World of Warcraft, same. Um, and it is because people are in, because real people are in there and because they are able to communicate with each other. They build kind of friendships, um, they build clans and guilds and all these kind of things. Um, so in that sense, I think, you know, uh, games have always been, or some games have always been like social media. And definitely, you know, if you look at Roblox, Fortnite, many other games where you know communities stick around and and you play with your friends for a very long time you know that is in a way a social media platform and definitely is a competition to the facebook's and instagrams of 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 the world now many of those games have predominantly been like in a in more in the male um arena i would say um and you know a game like uh, like Avakin definitely uh, attracts uh, a female audience, and Roblox probably you know more more kind of kids and early teenagers. So um, yeah, I think you have to kind of find your different places, but they're definitely very much social media platforms. Yeah. Do you think? Um, I mean, you sort of said they compete with uh, Facebook, etc. Do you think we're going to see? A shift away from quote-unquote traditional social media platforms towards uh, games or are they offering sort of distinct experiences? I think they offer distinct experiences um, but they, in, in essence they are competition. I mean Avic in Life we have average playtime per user per day is more than an hour so then you are competing with even even with Netflix but as well as with every social media platform for sure.
there has been for a while uh, a lot of talk, and I think that we can see kind of the mainstream catch up with this talk that gaming is not now um you know that old stereotype of gamers being um you know bearded young men in their garages uh it's, it's just not the case not anymore and probably not for a long time everyone today is is a gamer um what do you think the the sort of convergence between gaming and social um, which you say has been around for a while, but probably has seen an uptick in the last few years. What do you think that says about consumer preferences um, and around what we expect from our online experiences, whether that's sort of something that crosses entertainment and or social and gaming? Ooh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> I wish I would know the answer. Um, I'm bad at that. I yeah, am. I, I think the yeah I, I do think that you know um, people come to games because and and start playing games because core of the game itself right and then they kind of discover kind of the social part of it and it's not necessarily the other way around whereas social networks they just have like the the social component really um, and that's kind of it. Um, so you obviously also have much more people that, um, you know, you have a, a more diverse range of like interests, I would say. And, um, and probably also, you know, they, they might easily kind of just, you know, not be interested in any kind of conversation with you. It's, there is no, it's harder to find a trigger, you know, in, in, in games, it's easy to kind of find a trigger to start talking. Um, about something and I do feel like you know people that are maybe a little bit more shy um, have it easier when when there is a common theme to talk about I think Um, whereas you know if you're if you're a social butterfly you basically just go in there and kind of just talk with whoever Um, but that's not everybody's cup of tea some people are a bit more hesitant I think in games especially the big difference is also that, you know, you don't have to be, you're not yourself. necessarily, sorry, I think the big difference in in games is also that you don't necessarily have to be exactly yourself. So, you know, if you, if you post pictures on Instagram of yourself and people hate it or kind of uh, flame you for that, then you're basically done, all right? Whereas mm-hmm. in a game... You can you can always experiment with who you actually are and who you want to be, um, and you know what matters is then really kind of how you interact with others and what you actually say, and not necessarily how you look, and not necessarily what kind of clothes you're wearing and all these kind of things. Mm. In some ways, it's almost as though games, as this sort of new social network, in some ways um, write the ills uh of of traditional social networks it isn't you know you're not i mean i'm sure there's there's probably you know cyberbullying going on uh inside games as well potentially the truth is i i don't know for sure oh for sure and you have to as a you have a big responsibility i think as um as a publisher to kind of really um you know keep keep a community safe and secure um that goes without saying and we definitely yeah. also, as many others, um, we put a lot of effort into kind of keeping a community safe. Yeah. Right. Um, but there is something sort of uh, 
freeing about being able to be social with others without it needing to require such a sort of in-depth look at your uh, your own personal real life and, and putting yourself uh, at risk that way. Um, yeah, I think you don't have to fake yourself, you know. Um. Right. <laughs> um, and intriguing. Well, uh, Oliver, thank you very much for being on the show today. Um, I've sort of come away now thinking maybe I should, I should be creating an avatar of myself uh, and, and in exploring self-expression that way. Um, but it's been a super, super interesting episode. Thank you very much uh, for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me.